Hey everyone, it's Matthew here at Midland Pictures. I wanted to do a little follow-up today about the last video that I posted where I talked about kind of going around the Hollywood machinery and figuring out how to create original content of our own and distribute it online. Um, so that's what today's episode is going to be about. Thanks for watching. Check it out. So in my last episode, I talked a lot about uh, some of the issues that I've had just personally with pursuing a career, pursuing the arts, pursuing the visual arts, figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. I tried my hand at acting. Uh, I've also been working as a screenwriter, uh, an aspiring screenwriter technically, uh, for the last 10 years. I have made, I think, all of $500 as a professional screenwriter, and that's a little gig that I had that came up um, right away out of film school. Um, it didn't lead to anything, unfortunately, uh, and the script is just sitting there doing nothing. But it was a nice learning experience and, you know, got me excited for what I thought was going to be a really lucrative career in screenwriting. That didn't work out, and I'm probably more of a failing screenwriter than an aspiring screenwriter. And I only say failing, you know, these are harsh terms that we use. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know, just sort of honest, straight talk that I want to have with myself. Uh, again, in a sort of this continued quest for self-awareness and really understanding what my shortcomings are, but also really understanding what it is that has not allowed me to succeed to the point where I exceeded my expectations with what I was capable of. There's still obviously a lot of time left and I'm still screenwriting. It's actually what I'm working on today. And that's kind of why I wanted to hang out here at the desk. You know, I say Fei Ling because I still have projects that are out there. Uh, I have a manager uh, that is based out in LA who works with me on developing properties and making connections with other production companies. Most of the work I do all of the work I do is on spec, which means that you're writing on the speculation that what you create is going to be bought by a production company, a studio, a television network, a cable network, a streaming service, whatever it is. So this TV pilot that I'm writing is also on spec. And again, like I said in the last video, it's um, an adaptation from the original spec feature screenplay, what, what would have been a movie, and it's being turned into a television pilot. I've written a big Bible that kind of outlines the entire first season, a lot of the backstory of the characters, the world that I've created, and uh, outlined the um, <clears throat> the episodes that would follow this pilot. So this has been a long time in, in the process because I have spent a lot of my time trying to earn a living. And if you're following podcasts like uh, Gary Vee and some of the other uh, people who are finding tremendous success as entrepreneurs, as artists, as creatives, uh, the, the, the common denominator with all of them is how they really just work their asses off. They don't stop to, uh, to, to let anything get in their way. But I've been focused primarily on earning a living to handle the student loan debt, a mortgage payment. You know, I have a family. Somebody like Gary Vee is going to say, who gives a shit? Get out there, work um, 18 hours a day, uh, whatever it is that you have to do. And if your heart's not in something, then you're then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that my heart's not in screenwriting. I just think that I have found a lot more excitement in earning money creating film for 
commercial and nonprofit outfits. And not only an artistic satisfaction, but a financial satisfaction as well. And it wasn't until recently where I really started putting the pieces together that building a brand would allow for more original content to happen because building that brand might shore up a little bit some of those financial concerns and issues. There's a lot of macro going on and these micro attacks, uh, you know, sort of, you know, doing client-based work to earn a living, creating YouTube, a YouTube channel, creating a podcast, um, really trying to stay up on Instagram and doing what I can to build followers there. Even though I'm, I'm not nearly doing enough, I really should be interacting more, leaving comments, leaving meaningful feedback, DMing more. This should be going on 24-7 to build a brand and and that's not happening. And, and, and I think we really have to call ourselves out when we're not doing the heavy lifting that's required to, to accomplish those goals. What I've been doing with the YouTube stuff has really been invigorating because I'm finding myself really excited and really getting obsessed with it. How can I do another video? What can I talk about? What can we cover? Um, I mean, I have a list probably of about 50 videos that we can do to really kind of catch up to some of these other YouTubers out there that do similar things to us. So we've got a long ways to go. And I, I'm just really excited that all of these things are sort of coming together leaving my full-time job, uh, freelancing and, re and realizing that I really wanna create original content. I have a couple of ideas for some simple shows that I can create that would be short form for YouTube on their own channel, not this one, to find an audience and earn a living from it. Realizing that I needed to start a production company to do that and that I needed to get out from behind the computer. I needed to start thinking about camera gear and getting uh, what was necessary to start earning a living, getting hired to film things. In addition to that, listening to podcasts like Gary Vee, watching Peter McKinnon, Sarah Dietschy, really trying to get into and my head around using social media and YouTube uh, and possibly even more outlets, Twitch, um, checking out Discord, we're checking out the Anchor app to do the podcast to really have this multi-front attack on building the brand and building a media company uh, that's creating original content and paid content or for higher content for other uh, for other organizations. I don't know if I've been, ever been more excited about where things are going and how we're going about doing them. And today is an example of, I don't want to say a slow day because there aren't any, but a day to kind of take a breath, we're caught up on all of our post-production. We processed all the footage from the shoots that we had this week. And although we have a shoot this Sunday and a couple shoots next week, we're sort of set for attacking those when we get there. And I wanted to address getting some rewrites done on my pilot, doing everything from media management, exporting some of the previous videos audio so that we can post them as a podcast, uh, doing some general housekeeping to keep this machine moving forward. And that's really what today is all about. But the primary focus is on the, the TV pilot. What's interesting is if this script doesn't get picked up as a TV pilot, it just goes back into my possession. Um, nobody paid for it, it hasn't been optioned, it's all mine. And uh, it would be something that I would just have to sit on and think about doing something else with, whether it is filming a few scenes from it and building that um, following on YouTube, social media, building up arc one as a, a franchise, an existing piece of material that there's an audience for, converting it into a graphic novel, 
Um, who knows what the options are for turning it into something that's more in a final form, again, that goes to market, that an audience can consume because they're not going to be able to consume this TV pilot. I'm not going to put it on the website. I'm not going to try to like, you know, use YouTube or whatever to like get people to read my script. Um, it's just not something that is meant to be consumed in a finished form. What's interesting about this pilot is of all the projects that I have, it's sort of my biggest shot at breaking in and establishing a relationship with Hollywood. Well, a more uh, a bigger relationship with Hollywood. I mean, the production company I'm working with is based in Santa Monica. They've had TV pilots go up. They've had uh, shows go to series, uh, a few movies that are in production, and a few big sales um, from some of the uh, from some of the execs over there. So they've got a lot of exciting things do going on. They're doing what I'm doing. They're building a brand. They're building a media company. They're developing and creating these projects, and this is one of them that they want to turn into a television show. So that's really exciting, but there's a lot of work left to do. There's a lot of rewrites and uh, I just haven't spent enough time, nights, weekends, whatever it is, with my butt in the chair getting it done. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's this like lack of faith that anything's gonna happen after sort of the letdown of the spec not selling. Maybe it's wallowing, you know, maybe it's a bunch of BS that I need to be called out on. I'm still trying to process it in the meantime, when there's a day or two days where I can just sit down and focus on the writing process. The production company stuff is sort of uh, with edits and shoots and data management and all that stuff can kind of get set aside for just a little bit. Days like today are when I can focus on just getting this writing done. I also wanted to give just like a quick idea. I had mentioned how many scripts I had written. I wanna kind of go over how many I've actually written uh, original spec screenplays, including uh, scripts where it started as one thing and then got a page one rewrite and then got a page one rewrite and then got a page one rewrite. You know, there's still these core elements that are the same between those three or four scripts, but for the most part, they're completely different. So just to give you guys an idea of what I've done since I set out to be a screenwriter, and this really would have been back in 2005, 2006, when I was sitting in that movie theater in Oak Park, Illinois, and went, what do I really wanna do? In this sort of crisis, how do I wanna spend the rest of my life being uh, an artist, a creative, a performing artist, whatever it was? And I came up with screenwriting. That was what it was going to be. In that time frame, I've written a few plays, um, a couple full-length plays. Uh, I didn't really pursue the theater side of things too much, and most of those are just sitting in a drawer collecting dust. Who knows if they'll ever be revisited, adapted into a screenplay, you know, you know, produced as a play here in town. Uh, I have no idea. But I just wanted to go over the list of the things that I've written since sitting in that theater then spending two years in film school, moving to LA, living three years there, and then moving here to Omaha and living here ever since. Um, so the first script that I wrote was a script called The Grocery Store. I had basically written out every scene from Rushmore on a flashcard and then wrote like what happened in the scene, what was its purpose, what did it do to move the story forward, and then I created a world around sort of a precocious kid who worked at a grocery store and wanted to change everything about where he worked and what he was doing. He was sort of passionate about the grocery store like Max was passionate about Rushmore. And this was mostly just an exercise to just figure out how to write a screenplay. So I just essentially 
copied every scene and turned it into a version that worked for my character in the world that I had created. I think it was like 120 something pages long. It's crazy. It's terrible. It's really overwritten, but it was just a great way to finish something and, and get my feet wet with screenwriting. The next script that I wrote was a feature script that I wrote in film school. It was called Mile Marker 147, and it was the supernatural horror script um, where these, you know, teenagers um, get to this area after one of the teen's uh, younger brothers goes missing and she finds out that something there is causing the people who get close to this supernatural force for their worst fears to come to life. So for one of them, it was burning alive in a car and this sort of weird supernatural force kept forcing that person through that experience. For one person, it was drowning. For one person, it was like self-harm, like that feeling you get when you stare at a garbage disposal drain and you're like, what if my hand was in there and the switch went on? I thought it was a really cool script. I, I really enjoyed writing it, you know, but it was one of, again, one of the earliest things I wrote. It's kind of all over the place. I still really like the central idea, but it's a really hard one to pull off. It's sort of complicated. The reveal at the end was, difficult to explain and earn. So anyway, that nothing really ever happened with that one. The other script that I wrote was a script called Bloom. And it was sort of uh, basically like I took sort of like they do the thing to themselves that they're most afraid of. Like this one bully was terrified of this uh, like retention pond behind the high school in the winter and it would freeze over. And, and like he had this deep fear of getting out on the ice and falling in. Well because he got in a fight with this main character, he was sort of like instilled with this supernatural energy and he could not stop himself from walking out onto the pond and breaking through the ice and almost drowning until someone rescues him. And so this kid struggles with this supernatural ability and is trying to uh, really figure out um, how to navigate life uh, in high school, but then also just trying to keep this power under wraps. And you are made to think that the story is sort of like the building of a villain, um, but what you don't realize is that if the kid can feel tremendous love and benevolence, that he can actually heal people. And he meets a young woman and he falls for her and some bad things happen. And he's, and he's forced to learn how to use the good side of his ability that he didn't even know he had in order to save her. This is one of my favorite scripts. I have rewritten it and worked on it for years and have never really gotten any traction. And I just really want to see it come to life. I've also entertained turning it into a graphic novel. It's going to be quite expensive. So it might be something that has to kind of sit for a while until we can actually do that. I'm not going to go into details on every script because that'll take forever. But I just wanted to give you guys an idea of everything that I've done to try to make it as a screenwriter and how it just hasn't worked out. Another script I wrote was called Amber Alert. And this one was crazy. Um, the premise I thought was really good. It was sort of like you're driving on an interstate and there's an Amber Alert. In the Amber Alert, they list the license plate number of the suspect's vehicle and then you continue driving. And then all of a sudden you see that vehicle. What do you do? And I built this thriller around a guy that had sort of his life had fallen apart. He struggled with addiction. He was sort of an anti-hero 
and he was going to use this heroic action of saving this kidnapped kidnapping victim as a way to redeem himself in the eyes of his wife and his family. So it was very self-serving. Uh, it made him kind of an unlikable character. And then the end was this huge, crazy, weird twist reveal that he had been set up and it was all faked and it was just a big mess at the end. It did not work at all. Although the executive that I had worked with in my internship for the production company that was on one of the studio lots really loved that central idea. We did a page one rewrite of it and turned it into a script. Eventually that was called, that I retitled Midnight Sun. There's actually a show that's out now called Midnight Sun, so I probably wouldn't be able to use that title, but we moved the story to Texas and made it more of like a touch of no country for old men meets sort of like, uh, you know, like the Halle Berry kidnap thriller. Uh, and you know, it just kind of didn't come together. So then that script actually got moved to the Pacific Northwest and we changed the character to a female police deputy, like she had lost a kid and all this backstory. And we named that script Mile Marker 147. Um, they really liked that title from the previous script that I wrote. So we just appropriated for that. Well, then we got a director involved and she didn't like the location. She's like, let's move this to the boom town of North Dakota where all the oil stuff is happening and we'll adapt um, to that setting and kind of change a lot of the stuff. And we ended up calling that script Black North. Um, but then a couple properties sold that took place in the middle of uh, this oil boom and our producers and all of us decided we wanted to move the location again. So the California drought was huge. It was really in the zeitgeist. It was a major problem. And we titled that script Central Valley. And that's one that's just sort of sitting there right now waiting for something to happen. Um, whether it's with this TV pilot or whatever to get things moving along. Another script that I wrote was sort of a coming of age via revenge story uh, called Pencil Neck. It was about this young kid who oddly enough works at a grocery store, falls in love with this young woman who's really troubled and she's living with a cop and this cop is sort of like notoriously not good. He's, he's, he's a really nasty guy and um, this kid's dad was killed in the line of duty and as he's trying to save this young girl from the sort of the the power that this cop has over her he realizes that this police officer had something to do with his dad's death and this kid has to rebuild himself he's sort of pencil neck he's this skinny little kid who has no strength whatsoever and he has to turn himself into this powerful person in order to uh, take on this cop who basically owns the small town that they live in with intimidation and uh, instilling fear in everybody around him, including his superiors and the other cops that he works with. I really love that story too. And it just hasn't come together to be something that we can really do anything with. And um, hopefully someday I can revisit it and turn it into something that's viable. One of the earliest scripts I wrote, the one that I made $500 for, um, was a pitch that I did to some producers that came to the film school and wanted a Christmas-based movie that involved an animal. And I came up with this idea called the North Pole Puppy, where Santa, to get around the North Pole, uses uh, sled dogs because it's a big place and he has a lot of work to do getting from his home to the factories that the elves are using to make toys and all that. And these sled dogs are these magical little sled dogs that he uses to get around. Well, these sled dogs have puppies naturally and one of these puppies um, gets away and is uh, out of the, uh, the North Pole and falls into the hands of a family that's really struggling with the meaning of Christmas and focusing on what's important in life and the puppy sort of 
brings that out in the, in the spirit of Christmas with the family. I thought it was a really good idea. I actually really enjoyed the script. It's obviously way different than anything else I've written, but unfortunately that script went nowhere. Um, I was only contractually obligated to do two rewrites, and when there were still more rewrites that needed to be done, but no additional compensation, I, in my youth, not realizing that I was basically writing it on spec and should have continued doing the rewrites, um, I kind of pulled the plug and the project died. So I think I thought I was kind of big shit because I had sold sold this idea for $500 and they were paying me to do all these write, uh, all this writing. And, um, oh, only two paid rewrites? Well, I'm gonna move on to the next thing. You guys need to figure this out, uh, which is just terrible. I, I wish I hadn't done that. Another script I wrote was called They Go to Glory. This was a sort of gritty cop drama that I set in Chicago, which is where I grew up. Well the Chicago suburbs. This was sort of uh, Martin Scorsese meets Sidney Lumet meets Sergio Leone, sort of uh, once upon a time in the West in Serpico and, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of Goodfellas. Uh, you know, telling the story of three very different men who have to come together to figure out um, what gang entity is behind the murder of a few police officers and they uncover a deeper conspiracy within the Chicago Police Department, a sort of brotherhood of corruption, if you will, where um, a cop that uh, is a plainclothes undercover um, police officer has been running this um, underground ring um, between all the gangs and causing a lot of mayhem in the city. And this is another one of my favorite scripts. This one actually is the one that has done the best. Um, it was just almost a quarter finalist in the Nickel Fellowship. It missed by just a few spots. I had submitted this one to theblacklist.com to get reviewed, and I think it got reviewed twice and got a seven. It got like, an, I think I got a nine on both reviews for dialogue and character, which was really great, because that's an area where I've struggled on my other scripts. I think some of the, the connecting of the dots between the characters and what their motivation was really kind of hurt me a little bit. And um, something that I've struggled with in my scripts is female characters that are only there to serve the forward momentum of the male characters. Um, and that's something that I didn't even realize was happening, but these readers pointed out that it was an issue with the script. And uh, it's something that I've worked on to fix on that script, but haven't really done anything with. It's also the script that landed me my manager. A very small production company was interested in optioning it. And I had actually spoken with uh, who, the guy who would become my manager and submitted the horror version of Mile Marker 147. He passed on it. But then when this company wanted to option They Go to Glory, I just sent him an email and was like, hey man, I'm, I'm not asking necessarily if you'd be my manager, but you're the only person I know who could maybe give me some pointers on how to navigate this. Can you help me out? Well, he asked to read the script. He really liked it and said, I want to rep you as a manager, and we've been together ever since. So that was um, that was a big deal, and that was a, a really cool thing that happened with that script. And then the last one that I wrote was Arc 1. Arc 1 was a sci-fi, uh, you know, the sci-fi action movie, sort of about, you know, the end of the world and human extinction, and what we would do if uh, we were down to literally the last people on Earth. But um, that's the one that we've been converting into a TV pilot. So I forgot a movie. Uh, I had written a script, it's called Runway 1-3, and it's a script about this woman who really struggles with issues of control. Kind of a type A personality, she just can't 
handle not being in control of what she's doing, how she's doing it, when she's doing it. And she takes a flight uh, home from her honeymoon with her husband and it gets diverted to uh, Chicago because of inclement weather. And uh, a few years ago, there was this like sneak attack snowstorm in the Midwest and the Northeast that grounded all these planes in airports and the planes were already out on the runways. Um, some people were stuck in these planes for up to eight hours. So I thought it would be really interesting to put a woman with this, this type of personality in this situation where she is literally stuck inside of a plane on the ground. She is a few hundred yards away from being able to do whatever she wants to do, whatever she needs to do, and she can't. And I thought, you know, that's, that's a good start to the story, but what if we threw in something a little bit more? And there was a story about the O'Hare Airport expansion and how they wanted to build this additional runway, but the runway needed to be built where a 200-year-old cemetery was. And they worked for years in the courts trying to figure out how to make it happen, and they eventually did. And the bodies were exhumed and removed, and the airport runway was built over the cemetery. So I said, what if this plane of passengers is stuck on the plane in the snowstorm on the runway where all these bodies were exhumed? Sort of like poltergeist meets, I don't know, every other scary stuck on an airplane horror movie there is out there. And I thought, like, what a great way to make this character confront her sort of inner demons and her issues of control than to not only be stuck in a place where she had no control, she had no choice in what she was doing, but to throw in these supernatural forces that act upon her to really show her some real horror in life. I really love the idea for this script. I've struggled with the execution. It's very short. It's very quick. I, I want it to get more cerebral and more in-depth, kind of like The Shining, but I've really struggled with it. Again, I think it's a great idea. It's um, the 13th script that I've written, and it's oddly enough called Runway 1-3, uh, and I think uh, it could be something really cool. So I just wanted to add this into the video because I forgot about this script. Um, it's something that is more recent that I wrote and it's kind of just been sitting there waiting for management and other people to get involved. We'll see what I can do with it, if anything. So in that time, from 2005-ish, uh, when I decided to pursue screenwriting, that's everything that I've worked on and what I've done to try to break into Hollywood and be a professional working paid screenwriter. Like I said, I've only made 500 bucks from it. Um, I haven't had any deals, I haven't had any options, I haven't had any sales, nothing has happened, and that's why in the last video I said failing screenwriter. I haven't failed yet because I haven't given up on it, and I don't know that I ever will, because I'll always write my own material, especially with these cameras and this equipment that we have. Why not film it ourselves and build our own library of original content, intellectual property, and stuff that we can, we can create to develop brand, to develop leverage, and to develop power, and you know sort of and not that hollywood is the end all be all but if we want to get like serious movies made how can we get the attention of hollywood instead of trying to go through the inside and get these gatekeepers you know to look at what we're doing and say yes when that property has 
no audience. It has no brand. It has nothing behind it. It's incredibly difficult. And I think this is the route that we're going to go. So I just wanted you guys to see sort of, you know, a little bit more about what I'm doing, um, how I'm just, you know, sitting here working in final draft, cranking away on this TV pilot today to try to get uh, a rewrite done as soon as possible before the summer break. It's a cold, snowy day here in uh, the Omaha area and uh, I'm in the studio plugging away. I took a break here to make this video and I really appreciate you guys watching. Please like, please comment, ask me any questions, share your own experiences, let me know what you think. And if there's anything that you wanna see more of from us, you know, we have a lot of videos that we're trying to make, everything from sort of what's in our 1510 Pelican with the gear that we use to continued studio upgrade videos and just conversations with other filmmakers, where they came from, why they're doing what they're doing, what their plans are, and how they're navigating this world of um, the visual arts and the performing arts. So don't hesitate to hit us up and let us know what you wanna see more of. Um, we really love that you're here, that you're watching. Can't thank you enough. So much appreciation, so much gratitude. Thank you so much. Um, until the next video, I think that's going to be it. So uh, we'll talk to you soon.